It wasn't my first time at an event like this. I had experienced such a thing many times before. It was something that made me feel uncomfortable. I wasn't excited to be experiencing this again, and it went against everything I thought about who I was and what my personality could handle uh, on such occasions. And here I was again. I'd lost count of how many times I'd been part of such a gathering. And so we entered in, gathered our name tags, filled them out and put them on our shirts. And uh, this took place at a location that it had for many years, a similar location in Illinois, a large set of towers that um, are just close to Lake Michigan and just north of Chicago and a tiny town called Techni. Now, if you've never heard of Techni, Illinois, well, that's because it's not really a town anymore, and, and it kind of is. It's in a weird limbo. The town itself consists of a large tower and a few buildings surrounded by the sprawl of a Chicago suburb. The towers used to be a bustling residence and mission headquarters for the missionaries of the Divine Word, uh, part of the Roman Catholic Church. And the church on the grounds uh, is simply breathtaking and beautiful. So bustling uh, were Techni Towers in the past that it got its own post office for the missionaries to send letters to loved ones, to receive posts from their colleagues and friends all across the world um, as they did their good work for the church. And so the towers stood there, uh, far less glorious than they used to be, far fewer missionaries living on the grounds, but still a place where people would come together and meet and stay and enjoy workshops and deep retreats and uncomfortable moments and to sit in the brilliant quiet of the church. The post office is still active on the grounds and they still have their own zip code, though the town of Techni is now subsumed by the surrounding suburbs. And so here I was again at these beautiful towers, joining with people from all across our country and all across the world for yet another retreat that would be uncomfortable. This time I had encouraged a colleague of mine, a dear friend from seminary, to fly in from Florida to experience the retreat I had spoken very highly of. And there were more familiar faces as I had gotten to know many of the clergy and religious leaders who came to this event year after year. It was good to be together with so many diverse people from so many backgrounds and to share in a common story such as this event once a year for a week. I met up with my dear friend from Florida and we gathered and we sat down and the facilitators began the retreat. And as they started speaking, uh, my friend leaned in and asked, Brian, is this going to be one of those self-growth things again? And I just laughed. You know, her original comment had a few expletives in it, but it was indeed going to be one of those self-growth things again. And so as the retreat began, we were invited to sing, to introduce ourselves very briefly, and then to break out into groups. And then the hard work began. What followed in our small groups was a practice that is radically transforming. We engaged difficult questions. We were present to one another in these difficulties, and our goal was simple. We were there to only speak from the deepest core of who we were and are and could become. And when it was someone else's turn to speak, we would listen, not offering any feedback or ideas or suggestions, but just listen. And I can tell you from having done several of these retreats with the Center for Courage and Renewal, practicing Quaker clearness committees and circles of trust, and more specifically, engaging the practices of the renowned Quaker author, Parker Palmer, that I have come to know so many of the people from those retreats and gatherings more deeply than many others in my life. And I see them once a year. Here in this practice of not offering feedback, of not offering suggestions, of not trying to rescue and fix everything, and of simply listening 
and when invited, asking questions that are difficult and hard and soul-searching and vulnerable. In asking these questions, I found, and hearing these questions, I found I have everything I need to be my most complete self. I have everything I need for deep discernment. I have everything I need to figure out what is next in my life. Now, I've been grateful for those retreats with the Center for Courage and Renewal and for Parker Palmer. Parker Palmer is, as I mentioned, a renowned Quaker author and activist, and he has written several books on this circles of trust method. And in his books that range from healing our democracy, which is something we know we need in this world right now, our democracy is so very fragile, uh, but he's also addressed death and dying and confronting his own mortality now at the later stages of his life. He authored a classic book on discernment, Let Your Life Speak uh, is the title, and several other books that all address the same thing, of how to heal disconnection in our lives and in our relationships with others and the world. Now, the method is really quite simple in these retreats. It's nothing extraordinary, otherworldly, uh, nothing that is too demanding of us. We would gather in our small circles and we would practice what is called deep listening. We would simply listen to people sharing a problem in their lives or sharing a point of deep discernment. And we would be present to them. We would look at them using what is called soft eyes. Not staring intensely, not staring right into their eyes, but just looking in a way that let them know we are present and listening to every word and noticing every movement. And after they were done, we would just sit in silence. After the silence, the person who shared could invite questions or could invite what we called noticing. And the noticing was interesting because we could say, I noticed when you said this, you moved your arms this way. Or I noticed when you were talking about this, you choked up a little. Or I noticed when you shared this moment, you said it was painful, but you laughed. You see, in noticing, we were trying to foster some discernment how people share their problems or their points of discernment and allow them to go deeper than the surface level. What's really behind what's being shared? And if we were invited to ask questions, they were to be open and honest questions. Questions we cannot possibly have an answer to. For example, instead of saying, it sounds like what you shared about your colleagues or your family or your job, you need to get out of that situation, right? Instead of saying something like that, asking something like that, we would ask a question such as this. In hearing this problem, if this was a tattoo you had on your arm, what would it look like? That's something I couldn't possibly know the answer to. Or I once asked a city planner who had become a minister, if this were a city plan, what would this look like in your life? What would Main Street look like? Again, something that I couldn't possibly know the answer to. The results of people reflecting on the questions, whether or not they answered, whether or not they reacted, whether or not they took them home with them to reflect deeply, uh, we found to be completely transformative for people. I learned things about myself that I wouldn't have learned otherwise in my life from being deeply listened to and from being asked those open and honest questions. Now, why do I share this practice and this experience? And it's something that I've certainly shared about before, um, of engaging the Center for Courage and Renewal. It's because I wholeheartedly believe one of the goals and aims of Unitarian Universalism is not to provide a religion where we are constantly objecting to everything in the world, though we do object a lot. We are heretics and we need to own that DNA, to, uh, the power to question and to think differently. 
And it's not that Unitarian Universalism is a religion that removes all the trappings of religion, that ditches our shared history, that ditches our rituals, that treasures individual spirituality over any sense of community. We certainly do treasure your own spiritual path, um, but we join in community. And that is what we mean by the word religious. And it's not that we are a religious tradition that just gathers together for no particular reason at all. And it's not that we are a tradition that doesn't seek to heal our wounds, whatever they might be, to heal injustice, to do our part, whatever it is. I, I think we know the answers. We are a religious tradition that I believe at its very core seeks to heal this connection in our lives and in our communities and in our world. And we do so by listening to our deepest selves, opening to life's gifts, and serving needs greater than our own, all while connecting deeply in community, right here in this congregation. And if you need a shorthand, it's really quite simple. Unitarian Universalism seeks to listen, open, serve, connect. That's a great mission statement right there. Listen, open, serve, connect. Unitarian Universalism needs a mission like that more than ever. Because when we look at our faith, we know we have the social gathering down really well. This congregation in particular loves a good party with plenty of food and plenty of fun and music and just time to be together. And this is true in so many UU congregations and it can be a beautiful thing. We love being together. We love celebrating life by coming together, sharing, and just having fun. But there's something, and, and this is going to be a critique of Unitarian Universalism, it's something I feel that we are so very hungry for in our lives, and yet there is still that fear and trembling. And it has everything to do with listening to our deepest selves. If we are to be a people who are so justice-minded, confronting the fires on our streets, the cries for justice, the demand for black lives to matter, the cry of our environment as the climate crisis emerges, the fragile nature of our democracy. If we are to be a people that values that individual search while still joining in community, we need to be willing to be vulnerable. We need to be willing to listen to our deepest self, even if we don't want to hear what's emerging, and to do so in community. And when we do those things in community, the vulnerability, vulnerability is real and raw, but the results, the rewards, the gifts are great. Parker Palmer once wrote, When we so fear the dark that we demand light around the clock, there can be only one result, artificial light that is glaring and graceless, and beyond its borders, a darkness that grows ever more terrifying as we try to hold it off. <laughs> wow. I feel in that he captured what is so deeply wrong and missing in our culture as Americans and perhaps in the Western world and perhaps in the world in general. And I feel that this is missing in Unitarian Universalism in many regards. Yes, we do have moments of deep connection. Yes, we do have moments of confronting the darkness that can be terrifying and scary and discovering that in the darkness there is a dazzling brilliance. We do have moments where, we, uh, where the light we are experiencing and bathing in and enjoying is authentic and real and not artificial. We have these moments of radiance within Unitarian Universalism, and yet we still have this deep well of doubt. And not just the doubt that makes us the heretics that we are, a label that I proudly wear, question everything. Not just a doubt of questioning and reasoning and using logic. All those things are good within our faith, and as with anything, they're good in moderation. 
But no, the doubt we have is over trusting our own emotions and feelings. And I say this recognizing that I've been a Unitarian Universalist for most of my life, and I've been swept up in that doubt as well. I love the stories of our ancestors that center brave souls weathering the storm no matter what and using the light of reason to quench the fires of hell and to hold back their emotions. For there was a greater good and duty that they were called to. And I certainly still love those stories, and I certainly believe they have a place within our faith. They, they should be told. They should be dug into. They should also have a very human, raw, emotional face to them. Sometimes the way we tell our stories, especially about those great universalist and Unitarian heroes of the past, we tell them in such a way that it removes the humanity from them. And in many ways, removing the in removing the humanity, we further distance ourselves from our own emotional work. And in this distance, there is still that hunger for closeness. But the fear becomes so great. There's a metaphor I used recently with someone that I had learned from another colleague. And it, it often, it's oftentimes that Unitarian Universalism presents itself as this great buffet with everything you could ever imagine for your spiritual life. And yet when you arrive, we give you the bad news. Welcome to this great buffet, but I'm sorry, the chef is out and is never returning and there is no food for you to eat, but please stay. Now that's a blistering metaphor for someone's disappointing experience of Unitarian Universalism. And I know that metaphor is not true uh, 100%, but even if a grain of it is true, then we know that the work before us in transforming this faith is critically important. How can we foster a culture of listening, opening, and serving here at UUCL so that when people do arrive, when we arrive, we are showing up to our deepest selves and we are being present to the deepest selves of those around us? So that is our work. We are launching small groups here very soon at UUCL, an opportunity for connection during this COVID time. Many of us have had understandings of what small groups used to be. And we do have many small groups. We have social groups. We have social gatherings. We have spiritual interest groups. But the small groups we're offering he up here center this understanding that Unitarian Universalism, at its very core, is about healing disconnection. And so we join together. We listen, open, serve, and connect. We practice deep listening. We discern. We lean into our vulnerabilities and emotions. We join together on a free and responsible search for truth and meaning as a community. We are offering a way for us to deeply know ourselves and deeply know others. We're offering a way for us to have those transformative experiences that Unitarian Universalists hunger for week after week after week. We're offering a way for us uh, to define the connections, uh, to, to discover the connections that we hunger for. We are finding a way to offer not solutions, but a sustaining light for the way ahead. And in so doing, we create a community that is ever more beloved, that centers our connections, that recognizes that true connection is up to every single one of us, that it's about more than a form or a process or a series of steps. It's about deep listening. And so this is an invitation to transformation, to loving your vulnerabilities. It's an invitation to listen to your deepest self, open to life's gifts, and serve needs greater than your own. Perhaps answering this invitation means you'll want to help facilitate these groups or participate. You are most welcome on this journey to heal this connection and to bravely 
and boldly listen. Blessed be. Amen.